welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we are talking about becoming whole again. So many demands are on us in this hectic world, and now all of a sudden, our lives have been altered with the pandemic of COVID-19. There's no more fitting time for the book we are discussing here today and next week. Here with me this week is author Angelie Pascal, who is the founder of the Moms We Love Club and writes regularly for Encourage, a widely followed online community of Christian women. After graduating from Point Loma Nazarene University, Angelie earned a master's degree in spiritual formation and soul care from Talbot Seminary. She currently lives in Southern California with her husband, Sam, and five children. Sam is a pastor at Mission Hills Church in San Marcos. They enjoy renovating their fixer-upper and spending weekends at the ocean, and I heard they're going swimming today. Welcome to the show, Angelie. (laughs) It is great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is my joy. So fun fact, I lived in California for eight years when I was a small child, like for eight eight to nine years in San Diego, Monterey, and San Clemente. And now I'm on the opposite coast and I'm missing the warmth and beauty you have over there. Well, especially San Clemente. I mean, that isn't a beach city. It's gorgeous there. Yes, it really is. And so this is kind of um, (laughs) a random thought, but when I was a child, uh, let's just say that my parents were a little bit on the wilder side and uh, (laughs) we went to Black's Beach. I don't oh, even know what that was. I know Black Speech. <laughs> but you should tell everybody about Black Speech. <laughs> no, they can look it up if they want to. <laughs> no, uh, it was a nude beach, and I was a yeah. child, and that was a bit uh, shocking. And so I write about that in my book, Shame Off You. <laughs> Onward. Oh gosh, that is so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> so the scripture for this episode is taken from 1 Corinthians 7, verses 20 through 24. Let each of you remain in the situation in in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. Brothers and sisters, each person is to remain with God in the situation in which he was called. I think to our often man-centered philosophy that wants to avoid pain and remain in comfort, the thought of staying in a less than ideal situation does not make sense. To be clear, we are not talking about remaining in abusive situations, but remaining in the hard places with God. These verses reveal a supernatural walk with God where believers abide in Christ in whatever circumstances this life throws our way, because God's grace is truly sufficient for us. Angelie, this is the premise for your book, right? Stay, discovering grace, freedom, and wholeness where you never imagined looking. That our wholeness is not found in a better life out there. It is found as we walk out God's plans for us. Can you share with us what prompted you to write this book? Sure. And I love that passage. And I love just the way you you described staying in circumstances. Yeah. So I probably wrote Stay seven years ago. And when I wrote it, my I had at the time three little kids and I was pregnant with one. And I was pretty much drowning in motherhood. And I was so 
desperate for an escape. (laughs) And sometimes that looked like showering alone. Sometimes that looked like eating a meal slowly. And I think I just felt this deep urge to write what it meant for me to stay there in that circumstance and not wish it away. But also it, it took me on a reflective journey in my life of how often I run. I'm a runner. I don't like to be alone. I don't like to experience pain. I grew up in a very a culture of Enneagram sevens, if that helps anyone understand <laughs> what my life was like. And so it was just this real call to evaluate and kind of do some inward searching of what it meant to really stay. Mm. You know, I had five children. Well, I shouldn't say had. <laughs> I still have them. <laughs> but I remember going and retreating to the bathroom. That was my hideaway place. It was like, oh, please, I just need someone not to call my name just for a few minutes. And I would go there and knock, knock, knock on. I mean, they just come in. <laughs> two doors to the bathroom. I'm like, no. <laughs> they know where to find you. I think I thought I saw this meme on uh, Instagram the other day of like a woman sitting on a bench with like birds all around her, and it was like the moment a mom sits down, and there were like a thousand yes. birds on top of her, and it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. So you get it. And now I'm at that stage, you know, I was just thinking uh, about a blog post I might do soon, just about chronicles of an almost empty nest. Mm. And having four graduated from college this year, so I home educated. And one left, one poor soul left (laughs) in our house. And it's just a unique time. And so you remember those times when they were little and you think, oh man, definitely treasure it and just know that your time to be alone is coming. You know, uh, I guess stay in every season, right? So you say in your book, imagine the very places you want to fix, avoid, get swallowed in, power through, shout Bible verses at stuff or run from are actually the very way to wholeness. This is so key. Our problems and our pain are the doorway to healing if we're willing to face them. Obviously, pain avoidance is one chief reason we want to avoid dealing with those hard places resonant in our own mind. What other obstacles do you think people or prevent people from staying and dealing with the places they want to run from? Pain, yes. I think fear. Fear mm. is a big one because uh, sometimes the, the the object you are actually afraid of is not that big but it feels much bigger because of the feeling of fear. Mm. And so it's an interesting thing when you actually turn and look at the object you are afraid of, it, it actually shrinks. It actually can become smaller when you look at it. But the fear, the power and the intensity of fear um, is paralyzing. And yeah. we will do anything to not feel even fear let alone the object we are actually afraid of. So I would say fear and pain are a big driving motivator why we don't actually stay. Yeah. It's like we let our feelings be the boss of us, right? (laughs) We feel like we can't stand up to our own feelings sometimes, even fear. And and fear is something, one of my children that I'm uh, trying to help her through. Um, I realize 
I had it most of my life. You know, it just kind of yeah. holds us back. Um, another thing is belonging. Um, Brene Brown said that fitting in is the opposite of belonging. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. You mentioned in your book that belonging isn't about getting on the inside. It's about believing I am loved even while I'm on the outside. If we really believe that we are loved, we would live and love so differently. But shame and rejection make it so very hard to live this out. How do you recommend people approach this pain point of not belonging? Because this is one of the reasons people don't stay. You know, as you're talking about this concept of staying, abiding, they feel unwanted and less than and they run. Yeah, it's a, it's a feeling I think we can all relate to of being left out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, those are the cool people or those are the in people or those are the ones who are, you know, the smart people. I mean, we have all these categories, right? Right. And it's funny because um, some categories we're okay not being in. It's like, oh, I'm okay if I'm not with the like music crew or I'm okay if I'm not with the like fashion people. You know, it's like we just have all these mental categories. And I think when we talk about belonging, I think the greatest sense of belonging is right when we understand that we are loved in our deep and I think a really powerful image that has helped me understand belonging is knowing my belonging in Christ and the picture I draw is this um, the table of our soul and even even with feelings and fear like we mentioned this idea of like your feelings that sense of not belonging is welcome at the table of your soul. And Jesus is at the table of your soul. And he welcomes not just parts of you, like uh, the parts that you think are worthy or approvable. Those are the parts that other people have accepted. But he invites all these different parts of you, your entire whole self, as we're talking about, at mm-hmm. this table. And he is the one who leads the conversation. And we have this internal critic who says, all right, you, that, that dumb part of you, no one can see that. No one can hear that. Like basically shut up and be quiet. Mm. And then we have all these other parts, like the guilt, these voices that are so loud that says you've messed up. You can't do, you know, you're stupid. You failed or made another mistake. You cannot, you're not welcome here. And so we, we show out these parts of really who we are there's an entirety like that is these real parts of us and it's this no welcome those parts bring them back together and let them sit at the table of your soul Mm. where Jesus is the one who is welcoming accepting embracing allowing putting all these pieces that we have segregated back together that's the word I was just thinking of, um, segregation. You know, man separates uh, people into different groups, if you will, yeah. you know, that belonging concept, but really belonging to a label a lot of times yes. instead of that precious identity that is so, so perfect, just being a child of God and letting Christ live through us. But, and I would say, honestly, uh, I was in the nerd category. <laughs> growing up. I was one of those quiet, quiet girls, you know, definitely standing in the corner, didn't know where I belonged. I think a lot of people, if we really admitted it, that's us. I mean, we 
we want to feel that sense of belonging and we struggle to find it and it's right there, you know, in Christ. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about mistakes. Um, perfectionism is birthed out of our attempt to reconcile rejection and not belonging. We think erroneously that if we could just try harder or not mess up, if we could be perfect, we would silence the pain from our past or present. You discuss that it is okay to make mistakes, which I totally love. (laughs) You said, mistakes, as horrible as they feel, are another call to come back to my humanness, a call to come home to my needs and neediness. What advice do you have to help people be brave enough to not just face their mistakes, but own them and not let it condemn them? How do they overcome perfectionism? That is a big question. How do you overcome perfectionism? (laughs) The answer is to be, accept your imperfection. But that's much easier said than done. I think with mistakes, what I'm really, really learning is this idea of hugging your cactus. Have you heard that before? (laughs) You know, it sounds vaguely familiar, but uh, go ahead. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's this idea of when we see the sharp parts of us and the prickly parts of us, we do a lot of self-hating, self-condemnation. Um, but it's this idea of, yeah, these mistakes, they're mistakes, but learn to own them, hold them, hug them, be hugged in them, essentially hug your cactus. And there is this freedom in wholeness that comes when you can embrace your mistakes. And mistakes, you know, they are really a call to come. It's an invitation. It's another moment where you say, oh, God, I need you. Mm. Oh God, there, there I am again, um, lying to get what I want. There I am again, trying to manipulate the situation. There I am again, trying to get people to like me. God, there I am. I yelled at my kids again. Yep. Yeah. God, I need you. And so it becomes this beautiful moment where we are loving the reality of who we are and allowing God to love us there. It's such a place of surrender. And I think the reason we're afraid of that is because people can want to define us by our mistakes, like box people in and say, this is who you are. But there is such freedom in saying, wow, thank you, God, for showing me that. (laughs) Thank you. Now, will you help me live this out? Because obviously I'm not doing a great job (laughs) on my own. But that is hard, mainly because the fear of man. You know, we care so much. You go ahead. It taps into idolatry, really. Mm -hmm. We have these images of our perfect self. And I mean, here's an example. Like the perfect Anjali would be like really good at cooking. (laughs) I'm terrible at cooking, but you know, that would be my perfect self. And I want other people to, to think I'm good at cooking. I want other people to think I'm a great mom who cooks every meal organic from scratch from the garden. You know, I just want people people's um, attention and praise. And so a very good sign of these idols in our life is is, uh, our defensiveness. So the moment you start to feel defensive, let that be this red light or this trigger that says, what idol am I trying to protect right now? Yes. So good. And I think just to be able to examine ourselves in that though, you know, that goes back to the the hustle of our day, you know, how fast we move about and uh, to be able to stay also requires we be still some to be able to 
see those aspects. So you said in your book that as you reached out to help others, you were aware that you could not hide your own healing in that endeavor. I think this is a type of an escape. There are likely many escapes we use to avoid being still and letting God work on us. These escapes or addictions, you I think use that term in your book, keep us from facing our need in Christ and being vulnerable. How can we? I, I sometimes, I've caught myself. I'm sometimes saying, how can they and people? <laughs> and this would include me. How can yeah. we stop the cycle of avoidance in our lives? I think a really great way to identify places um, of avoidance and to stop, you know, noticing that in our lives is to pay attention to resistance. Resistance is, you know, it's interesting. We actually don't talk about resistance very much, but resistance is such a a big red flag inside of you that something's going on. Mm. And a lot of times we don't, we don't even, we, it's hard for us to even name resistance because we're so familiar with it. But resistance will tell you what you're avoiding. And yes. so it's that, it's that feeling. It's like when you get a text message and you don't want to respond. Like something there, what is, your, what is your resistance about? What is it telling you? When you get a letter in the mail from your bank and you don't want to open it. What, okay, what is that resistance telling you? Mm. When you are on social media and you're scrolling and then you see something and it it triggers resistance in that you want to keep scrolling and you don't want to see it. Like, what are you, what are you resistant to seeing? And I think as we start to pay attention to the resistance in our life, it will greatly help us learn how to stay. That's really good. And I think we all can identify with that. Ultimately, I think about knowing thyself and, and knowing ourselves is not a static thing. You know, it's something that is constantly mobile. There's things that cause us to be resistant in everyday life, new things and old things. And so that's really great to be attentive to this. This concept of staying is not just being a recluse locked in a closet with bread and water or being an introvert. In fact, loneliness and isolation can cause us to shrink back, stray from our true identity, who we are in Christ. Loneliness can be a self-fulfilling prophecy too, as we perceive of what others might think of us and dare not step outside of the box we created for ourselves. How do you recommend that we break free from loneliness? Well, here's the thing I think with this idea of staying and I think it can go two ways. The question of for some people staying is actually very easy. Now they might go the other extreme and feel their feelings and drown in their feelings and never recover from their feelings. And that, that is a real thing. Now there's another group of people who staying is incredibly difficult. And I guess what I want to piece out uh, and separate is staying is not just a physical thing. Staying is an abiding, right? We're abiding. We can abide with Christ when we're sitting alone on a couch and spending time in his word, but we can equally be abiding as we're sitting on the couch, uh, watching a rerun of the office. And so it is not a physical thing as much as it is an attentiveness 
and awareness of God's presence staying with us. Now, as I talk about that question of loneliness, it is um, the difference between those who can have the temptation to get swallowed in their feelings is lament and despair. And if you get swallowed in your feelings and you can't recover and recoup, that will lead you to despair. And lament is being and staying in your feelings with God. Mm. And so the escape from loneliness is being with God. With God is your companionship. If you're sitting on the couch reading his word, or if you're driving and doing carpool, or if you're eating ice cream, or if you're scrolling through Instagram, his presence with you is always equally the same. It is not more when you're engaging in a spiritual discipline as much as it is when you're taking out the trash. Mm, that is so good. You know, thank you for being here with us today. Your yeah. is beautiful. Oh, and such a you. sweet invitation for us all to simply stay in the presence of God as our true selves. Well, y'all, next week we will dive deeper into Angelie's book. You can find out more about her on her website, www.angeliepascal.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes as well. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a free copy of her book. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems.